Chris Merrill, Joe Heisinga. It's the Chris and Joe Show. Afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News. The Chris and Joe Show. Eponymous for Chris Merrill, Joe Hazinga. Great to be back with you. Joe, one of the first things that uh, you and I did when we found out that we'd be working together is we took a little drive. We said, hey, man, let's go check out some of these places. Now, uh, backstory, uh, I left uh, my house in Mesa. That sold January of 2020. I spent the the next uh, four years uh, living in uh, the backwoods. Uh, Came back here knowing that you and I get get to work together. And so I said, Joe, what's changed? You said... Let me, let's go for a little drive, right? Mm-hmm. So you showed me how the 24 in the East Valley had been extended. So that road didn't exist when I left or it was under construction. Uh, you showed me the In-N-Out Burger in Gilbert where the, where the goons had uh, uh, perpetrated some of their uh, malicious attacks. And then you said, let's go drive through the zone. And uh, I believe we saw at least one drug deal. We think maybe two drug deals were going on in that, that afternoon that you and I drove through? No, oh, at least a couple. And this was after the zone was supposedly shut down, to be clear. This was, what, about a, a month ago? Yeah, I think, think it was early January. Yeah, yeah. And you left, like you said, in early 2020. Yeah. When, I mean, go back to that time. Just before the pandemic hit. So was did you even know what the zone no, was then? You told me the zone and I thought, what well, is the zone? I yeah. you know, I've been doing radio here for you know a few years. I hadn't heard of this, so you were telling me about it. So I knew uh, about the homeless encampments that they had tried to clean up in, sure. you know, uh, around that area numerous times, but I hadn't heard it called the zone. And a few months prior to when we went down there in January, it, they were doing these cleanups. They'd be out there every week. The Office of Homeless Solutions here in Phoenix would be conducting cleanups and they would pamphlet the area and essentially tell the people who were living on the street in their tents, hey, this area is going to be closed. You're going to have to move. And by the time you and I went through there, the whole thing was closed. But obviously the area was not spick and span. I see the grimace on your face. It was still pretty inhabited. Uh, there were there were law enforcement members present there. And the tents were largely gone, too, but there were definitely people congregated outside. Right. And again, we saw what appeared to be (laughs) it wasn't even sneaky. It looked like it was a drug deal going on. So, in our conversations about this, we we discussed, and I'm sure you would agree with us, that the one of the big issues with homelessness in not just Phoenix, not just Arizona, but nationwide has to do with drug use. One representative has introduced a bill now, State Representative Matt Grass, introducing a bill, and the the story you'll find at KTAR.com. And the idea is to make several key changes to Arizona law policies surrounding homeless solutions. Those are the words of uh, uh, Mellon Overstoltz, who is uh, one of our reporters who wrote the story. So the drug-free zones... Uh, would do effectively six things. And Joe, feel free to fill in the blanks if I miss anything here, too. Okay. All right. So the six things that the bill would do. One, create harsher penalties for drug dealers who are dealing in drug-free zones. So this would be like, listen, you can sell crack in Avondale and you'll get five years. But if you sell crack in a drug-free zone, seven years. And this would essentially make the area down by Cass, the the Human Services Campus, I assume, a drug-free zone. He did say something about, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. I don't want to jump ahead here. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, this is it. It, Part of it is to make facilities that have policies that allow on-campus drugs liable for charges. And I didn't know of any, and we've talked to a number of them here at KTAR. I haven't heard of any that 
at least didn't openly publicize, hey, we allow on-campus drug use. It's like, uh, you remember San Francisco was like, well, we're going to have the open-air drug market because we don't want to prosecute those that are addicted. And we went, well, that doesn't seem like a very good idea. Arizona did not say, what a great plan, right? As far as I know, there's no... Hey, come on out and do drugs over here, fellas. I don't know of any of those. I haven't heard of any. Okay. The uh, the plan would also create a $75 million permanent homeless shelter and services fund. I'm on board with all of these so far. Okay. It would adjust funding to homeless service providers based on performance thresholds. So if you're, if you're getting people off the street, you're going to keep getting funded. If you're not, we're going to stop throwing uh, good money after bad. I do have some questions on that one. I got questions throughout this whole conversation, but yeah, all right. So I'm glad that you I'm were curious able to say that. What the you know what the thresholds are, and okay, what if none of the organizations can meet the thresholds? Obviously, we all recognize that we have a need to make homelessness in the whole state, not just the valley, better. So what do you do if none of the services can meet whatever these thresholds were? How do you, do you just bring in new services? Do you lower the threshold? This is America. Come on. Okay. If we're not if we're not reaching our own standards, we lower the standards. Okay, number 5. Emphasize the need and importance of collecting accurate health and demographic data on the state's homeless population. To me, mm-hmm. of all the things we've discussed so far, that's the best one. So, Bowen the other day took, you know, our reporter Bowen followed yeah. followed the count. Yes, he's the, the one writer. who, who yeah. worked on okay. this piece and He went out and followed the count of homeless individuals in the area where a number of volunteers get together and try to get the most accurate number in terms of how many homeless people are out there, because that then goes to determine funding and things like that. I heard Chad Benson talking about that. He was saying, just everyone hold still for a few hours so we can count you. Yeah, I don't think it works like that exactly. (laughs) But And then there's one more point that uh, Representative Matt Gress, who worked on this, came up with, which is number six, which was to ban the use of state funds to rent out rooms from hotels to provide shelter to unhoused people. Now, as we lay this out, it strikes me that as you're listening, you're probably going to say, that's a terrible plan. I don't like number two, four, and five. And someone else might say, oh, one, three, and six are the worst ideas I've ever heard. So we do understand there's going to be some underlying disagreement here, okay? And that said, Joe, I promise to respect your opinion as bullheaded as it is. If you will respect my opinion as moronic as it comes across. You got it. Fair. So that's that's how I want to... Uh, kind of attack this mm-hmm. because I have to be honest I think I have more questions than anything else mm-hmm. it's I don't want to jump on this as somebody is like what a terrible plan I just want some more details I think this is a great jumping off point I like most of what I see here taking it at the surface but that's it yes but I do want to go deeper on it and and the biggest question that I had and I threw this out to you as well before we got going here is I'd love to know what do you do with all of the people who don't want to get clean? They they want to keep using drugs. Or they're so far, I'm just going to use basic terms here, my, my you know common words. They're so far gone, they don't even know that they need help. Or they, they yeah. can't admit they need help for themselves. Well, some of it could be mental illness. Some of it could be that drug use has rewired their brains, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you do with all of those people? And wow. I don't have a percentage in terms of... How many that is, but I can tell you from walking through the zone, that strikes me as a lot of the people there. Either they want to keep using drugs or they are 
walking zombies to a degree. And I've talked to a number of organizations who've come in when KTAR did a roundtable seeking solutions on homelessness here. And I believe all of those organizations have the best of intentions. Yeah. But the yeah. problem is if, if you don't raise your hand and say, I need help, what can the state really do? What will the state really do? See, that's where I think we've got a real hang up here because I think we're at the point where helping the people that remain means forcing help on them because the people that want help know how to get it. The The ones largely, as you pointed out, that are left are those that either don't know how to get help. They don't want help. Maybe they don't even understand what it means because they're, they're having a mental illness fight or the drugs are doing something. Or maybe it's just that they have an addiction that's making them behave in a manner that is contrary to their own best interests. And those people, you could make the argument, need the help more than anybody. And we will make that argument. The suggestion seems sensical, as Joe said, on the surface. And I think it's a good start. But we'll start thinking forward a little bit now. And I think you're going to notice where tweaks need to be made to help the tweakers. We'll explain the why next on Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Drug-free zones, are they going to make things better for uh, homeless in Arizona? That's the question that Arizona State Representative Matt Gress is asking as he introduced legislation. You'll get a, a basic rundown of the bill. Uh, our reporter, Ballin Oversoltz, uh, wrote that, and uh, you're going to find that at ktar.com. Joe, we laid out the basically the, bit, the nuts and bolts of it, right? Mm-hmm. But if we dive deeper and we try to work out the why, the question that keeps coming through my mind is this. Why? And it's going to sound, I want you to think, it's going to sound stupid to start with. No, 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 no. No, it will. Just throw it out there. The question's going to sound silly. You've never said anything stupid. Keep going. Why do we need changes to solutions regarding the homeless? And I know you're going to say because what we're doing is not working, right? Not working well enough. But are we just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? That's my why. Why are we, we we're trying to solve the solutions that we already provided? Like we threw we've thrown money at homeless issues. We've got service uh, social services. We've got how many different organizations that are helping in the zone specifically? Why these things are not working? Why do we keep going at we keep saying, well, there's got to be a solution. Why do we keep going after a solution? It's one of the sound bites. I, I think Nancy Pelosi would say it all the time, and I hate when she says it, but I will say it to you right now, Chris. We are doing this because the status quo is unacceptable. <laughs> is that not why we're doing this? It is. The fact that the zone is unacceptable, there's any number of pockets out there of homelessness. There is an area down by Sky Harbor that recently yeah. got cleaned up and, and cleared out. I go on walks for five or six miles a night, and one of the parks I walk by has six or seven people who are always in their cars. I've never seen drug use or abuse there, but I just feel bad when I go by. And to me, this has all grown since the pandemic. We don't have enough shelters. We don't have enough help. And it comes back to what we were just talking a moment ago of even if we did have enough shelters and we did have enough help, what the heck do you do with the people who don't want the shelters and don't want the help? It is very discouraging, and I think it's probably even more discouraging for the people that have dedicated their lives to making it better. You know, the social service workers and things of that nature. It's got to be daunting, feeling like it's your Sisyphus pushing the rock. Was that too? Was that too heady? Well, how about this? 
you and I yesterday yeah. were, were talking about your time as as an EMT a little bit. Yeah, trainee. And, okay. Yeah. And you relate a story about one of the people who you worked with. Yeah. And I'll paraphrase here. They essentially wanted to get into, you know, being an EMT to help people, to save people. Mm-hmm. And you were relaying a story to me that, in essence, they basically said, gosh, doesn't this stink? There were a couple people who'd passed away. Yeah. Oh, there was somebody who'd passed away who seemed to be a good person, really wanted to live. Yeah. They died. Yeah. And then there was somebody who was like a drug abuser who he was able to save. Who was trying to over it, was trying to, yeah. to uh, take their own lives. And he saved that drug abuser who just went back. But the person, and I, he was, I think he was having an existential moment, like, why, God, why? But there was burnout on the job, sure. Well, and I think we have some of that same issue here. But you see it now, kind of the reverse of it, of yeah. the people who need the most the help. most either don't seem the to know or to do not want it. Yeah. And I guarantee you that there's people who want to help them who have this existential existential crisis every night sure. who are going, gosh, why can't I just do a little bit more? Why can't they just be receptive to the services we're trying to provide? Or, hey, why can't somebody who's been through this program get through to them? What What does it take? And yet the problem seems to, at best, just stay the same. In some ways, get worse. Let me throw a few things out at you here. Uh, headlines from just the last week. Okay. Homeless campers were forced off BLM land. Where did they go? Peoria battles unpermitted camping and dumping near Lake Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Sober living homes skyrocket in Goodyear as complaints grow. That's been a big one out here. Sober right. living. Of course it has, right? These things continue. You've got substance abuse, I think, is at the center of a lot of the conversation There's that we're been having. A scandal surrounding those, you know, All those. sober living facilities. Sure. Where, and I get know, are they really providing sober living? Some, not so much. Right. But the fact is, is that if we didn't have substance abuse to start with, we wouldn't have the issues with sober living. I, again, these are problems that we can identify, but there is no solution. Oh. That said, mm-hmm. I don't want to diminish hope because I think that's why we keep coming back to this, because we all generally are hopeful that we can make things even just a little bit better. And if you just give up and concede, hey, we can't do anything, that to me is like, well, why would you even talk about it? We're talking about this today because I like to believe it it will get better. I don't think it will ever be perfect let me take let me take the opposite approach i don't think it's going to get i think it's going to ebb and flow sure so so i'm left wondering how much money should we be throwing at this problem how much do we need to re-legislate legislation how much do we need to say well we if we did this then it would be better and then it doesn't and well that's because we didn't do this and now it doesn't get any better Mm -hmm. in other words we have people that need funding Fund the people that are working on it right now. Mm-hmm. But the idea of saying, let's put together another $75 million permanent homeless shelter and services fund. $75 million that's going to go where and to whom? But can you and I agree right now yeah. that if there are enough people out there, let's just say there's a thousand people in and around Phoenix. Let's just keep it real simple. thousand people in okay. and around Phoenix. I like your math. It's who, low, but who, yeah. Who yeah. Want, look, yeah. I know it's low. Right, right, right. Who want right. to get help. That we should have enough shelter beds to get those thousand people 100%. help. Absolutely. And the problem is, from what we heard from a lot of the shelter services, was Phoenix didn't even have enough shelter beds to give the people who want to get off the street a safe place to go at right. night. So You've got to find the step one. Why is it taking us so long to find step one? There's my why. Why is it taking... Like, that seems so simple to me. Mm-hmm. Look, 
We have people who are homeless. They want help. We as a society are good people. If we give up hope, what does that say about us? Joe, you just said it a moment ago. So listen, I'm a good person. You're a good person. We want to help. We have people uh, who want to help the homeless. It's their jobs. They're making a, they're making a salary. Not enough. But we step one, have enough beds. So do you blame part of this bill, which would ban no, the use I'm of, not, no, but go ahead. number six in the bill Ban the use of state funds to rent out rooms from hotels to provide shelter to unhoused people. Now, the other piece of that is they did say the state and these services could still buy facilities and 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 convert them. Federal dollars to rent rooms. Correct. Right. But they could not, on their own, rent out the rooms from hotels to provide shelter because, let's be honest too, if you went on vacation, and you showed up at a hotel and you found out, hey, the six rooms adjoining yours are being used by homeless folks. You probably wouldn't like that. I'm sure these hotels know that it might be something of a black eye. I'm going to play an elitist card. And that is that I again, I know how this is going to sound, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not going to stay in a hotel where there's a chance that it's being rented out for someone who's homeless. Knowingly. Knowingly. Well, listen, again, I'm playing the elitist card here. Mm -hmm. If I'm running a social services and I'm trying to find beds, I'm not putting them up at a place that's 150 bucks a night. I'm not putting them up at a place that's 90 bucks a night. I'm putting them up at some place I can get for 30 bucks a night. Right. And that's not a place that I'm going to stay. And I don't think that's unreasonable for either side. That to me, again, you want to, if we really need to find beds for the most amount of people that we can, and we admit that we have a shortage here. We're putting them at the sleep in, not the comfort. Yeah, we're we're putting them at a place that is more um, a hostel, that is essentially a a bed and a safe place to stay, as opposed to a three- or four-star resort. Right, yeah, no homeless, no hippies. Those are my rules for hotels. And I don't think that's unreasonable when you go on your vacation That you want a safe, not a dream escape and getaway, but you want to go somewhere and you want to have a relaxing time and you don't want to potentially see somebody doing drugs outside of a room or doing something you don't want to see on your vacation. It seems that legislators are willing to throw anything against the wall right now to see if it sticks. And I'm just kind of curious if someone else has some ideas. Love to see if your idea sticks. Phone number 602-277-KTAR. Let's fix homelessness. Start with one idea after another. I I don't care if it's a good idea, bad idea. Give me an idea, and then let's just see if it sticks. 602-277-KTAR, 602-277-KTAR. Joe, you touched on something a moment ago with one of the points in Representative Gress's proposal, and I talked about adjusting funding based on performance levels, and I I think that's a really fascinating question that you were sort of hinting at. I want to get to that. Uh, We'll adjust a few things, obviously, but could the proposal work? I also want to follow the money. The the breadcrumb trail... Easy for us to say. ...is next in the Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Chris and Joe, afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News 92.3 and the KTAR News app. I'm Chris Merrill. He's Joe Heisinga. We were talking about the story up at KTAR News. Uh, it's KTAR.com. Uh, Arizona State Representative Matt Gress introducing a bill that would make several key changes to Arizona law and policies surrounding homeless solutions. We've been talking about that this morning. And Representative Gress was uh, nice enough to get on the horn with us and, and uh, help go over this bill with us. Representative Gress. Pleasure to have you on the program. But we, you know, we talked, we opened the uh, the entire segment talking about the zone. 
and how that was broken up. Do you feel, uh, Representative Gress, do you feel like the zone is just, it does like spread people around is the way it feels now? Well, good afternoon. And I think that is what has happened is that you've kind of dispersed the tragedy and misery that people living out on the streets are um, experiencing. And I think it's actually making it a little bit more difficult to get your arms around uh, around the situation. There are people who have started to create encampments in uh, North Scottsdale on state trust land. You've seen people start, um, you know, putting tents along the canals or around um, you know, bridges or overpasses or on ramps or off ramps. And that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing when it comes to getting the help that these individuals need. We outlined your six point plan that you have here with HB 2782. Why do you propose what you proposed here? Like, can, can you give us a few sentences on what led up to all of this for you? Constituents in my district uh, reached out to me last summer in response to what the city of Scottsdale was doing at a hotel that was open to the general public. They were uh, reserving 10 rooms to house individuals who are homeless, people from the living in the zone, and foreign nationals who would have otherwise been deported um, under the now expired Title 42. And so I started to dig in and, and talk to the city of Scottsdale and just became very concerned that this program was not helping people, it was warehousing people and not getting the help that they need and deserve. So I've had a number of different meetings and stakeholder meetings. We had something in September where hundreds of people showed up to get a better sense of what we should be doing when it comes to helping people who are homeless. And it really all circles around accountability, accountability for the cities and towns, accountability for the, you know, the social service providers that um, these cities and towns work with, and also accountability for the people who are living on the streets. That, uh, that there are expectations around, you know, getting sober or, um, you know, looking for a job or finishing your education. We need to step up and, and meet these individuals, um, but we can't make excuses and allow people to continue to live in tragedy and misery. It's unacceptable. One thing that Chris and I keep coming back to, though, is what do you do with the multitude of people out there who don't want to get help or are so addicted that they don't know that they even need help, Representative Grass? That is a that is certainly a challenge. Um, and I think that puts it mildly. We, <laughs> it, it is. It, you know, uh, last summer, Arizonans were polled on uh, top issues of concern to them. And nearly 80% of Arizonans said that homelessness is bad and it's getting worse. And when you look at um, the root causes, these same Arizona voters said um, mental illness, substance abuse, addiction, and housing. But substance abuse uh, and mental illness comprise the majority of why people think uh, uh, those who are living on the streets are in their condition. And I've always said that living on the streets is a symptom of other major problems, trauma in their lives, and addiction is one of them. You have to, you have to couple social services with law enforcement. There, there must be consequences that come along with doing drugs. It's illegal. 
So let's try to find you help through the community courts, diversion programs, but to just let people stay where they are, living outdoors, doing drugs, like what we saw in the zone, is a recipe for disaster. Are there places still representative grass? Are there still facilities that are allowing drug use in the open? Because we were having trouble trying to think of one that would allow people to, to openly use drugs in front of them. A few weeks ago, uh, the subcommittee I chair um, discussed the sober living home fiasco, a $2 billion uh, fraudulent organized scheme where um, essentially it, it disproportionately impacted the Native American communities where they were housing people, billing Medicaid for lots of money and not providing any services. The Department of Health Services, which regulates sober living homes, gave testimony and showed us pictures of beer and other drug paraphernalia and drugs just open, out in the open in these common areas. There are bad actors uh, out there in these spaces who are who purport to try to help people suffering from addiction or mental illness. This legislation is going to hold those individuals who have any formal or informal policies of drug use accountable. As far as you know, are there is there any place that has a formal uh, policy that allows for drug use? Is what you're giving me are examples of places that we know are are bad actors anyway that weren't providing services and they were letting people do whatever they want. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking of some of the, the great services that are down by yeah, the zone. Or the down human down, services right, yeah. campus that, uh, Yeah, that, that uh, as far as I know, they're not allowing that. So, I mean, are you, are you basically proposing, listen, if you are defrauding Medicaid and you're allowing for these things, then, then things are going to be worse? Or is it, is it a rampant problem that's happening in other places that we just don't know about? Well, it's certainly happening within the sober living space. And we have heard reports from the provider community that there are spaces that either turn the other way, look the other way, and, um, you know, allow drug usage to occur. Um, some have masked this in the form of harm reduction. Um, you've seen this. These kinds of policies go in very terrible directions in San Francisco, for instance, yeah. where people were being provided kits, um, uh, harm reduction kits that included um, a crack pipe and some other things. And after they realized that was a terrible idea, of course, they started to roll back um, some of these really egregious and ridiculous policies. All we're saying is this is common sense. If you're a provider and you're helping those who are homeless, you cannot have any policies formally or informally that permit drug use on campus. It's pretty common Absolutely sense. Absolutely not. <laughs> are those places not liable for charges currently? I mean, your bill says, listen, yeah. if you're allowing it, then then you're going to be liable for charges. Are they not currently liable? Because that, that seems like an oversight, in my opinion. No, they're not. Um, and, wow. you know, huh. this this population being served is, is a very challenging population to serve. Yeah. And people are going to have relapses. Um, there are going to be situations where um, people come in to the facility and they are uh, high, they're clearly under the influence. Um, and you don't want to just say you, you, you can't come in here because that's kind of counterintuitive. You want to try to wrap your arms around them, give them the support and the healing that they need. But at the same time, you can't allow someone who is actively going in and out and in and out. If, if you have a residence who's 
coming in and out 15 times a day, something's up, something's not right. Having a handle on people coming in and dealing drugs to a very vulnerable population, we have to put an end to it and there need to be policies against it. Um, That's one of the reasons why this bill, one of the central pieces, is that we're going to establish drug-free zones in these uh, areas where uh, people who are homeless are served, similar to the school drug-free zones, and they work. We've seen, you know, drug sales, drug usage, all of that significantly be curtailed when we started seeing the drug school drug-free zones back in the 1980s. This is a important step forward to protect a vulnerable population. Wanted to thank uh, Arizona State Representative Matt Grass for joining us today. Uh, Representative, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I look forward to the next opportunity that we have, and hopefully your bill gets some uh, gets some good conversation moving, and uh, and we see this move through the legislature. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Very good. All right. We'll get your thoughts. We've got uh, just uh, about two open lines right now. Hopefully uh, we get a chance to talk with you. 602-277-KTAR. 602-277-KTAR. And I think we can all agree that the drug dealers have to be stopped, right? Do harsher penalties do the trick? We have a chance maybe to balance that after we check the headlines with Becky Lynn. That is next on KTAR News. Chris and Joe, afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News 92.3 and the KTAR News app. Chris Merrill, Joe Hazinga, Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Thanks again to uh, Arizona Representative uh, Matt Gress, who talked to us about his new drug-free zone uh, proposal. Basically, he's trying to... Trying to make the homeless situation in Arizona better. I credit him for that. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm not on board with all of his suggestions, but I credit him with the spirit of what he's attempting to do. And it gives us a place to start. And I'm all for that. You have to try. I do. And good on him. Kelly gives us a call in Tempe at uh, 602-277-KTAR. 602-277-KTAR. Uh, Kelly, let's solve the problem. Yeah. We're throwing ideas against the wall. See what sticks. Let's solve the problem. What do you? How do we I, fix I, the problem? I think it's common sense. Um, let's deal in logic. You have two options. You either get help, you get clean. So you get shelter and you're a functioning member of society, or you get arrested for doing illicit drugs and you go to jail and you get clean. I don't think the answer is allowing homeless to stay in the parks and preserves. It's dangerous. Uh, we clean up weekly and we see syringes use tinfoil with fentanyl. It will kill children. It will kill uh, wildlife and also your dogs. If they lift that tinfoil, they're they're most likely going to die. So I think yeah. they should be forced to get clean. Yeah, I think. I mean, alrighty. If you get arrested with possession, you go to you do some time, right? Or at least you end up going through the court system. But... Mm, sometimes they're looking the other way. I think the policies are pretty lax in certain cities. Yeah. Um, even I don't if it's think fentanyl. It's um, even with fentanyl, so really? I can tell you with our cleanups, we had eight of them. We cleaned up over 800 or over 300 syringes uncapped. 50 of them were in children's play sand. Um, oh. uh, for the tinfoil, it was over a thousand. Where'd and you this do that? Papago Preserve. This is Papago Preserve, Tempe side. Oh my gosh. You're I like right. your solution too, Kelly. The problem is, is I, I think yep. it leads to other problems at times too of, if we lock up every user, which I would like to think that we would do and could do, uh, mm-hmm. don't, you, don't you think the prisons could become somewhat overwhelmed, too, at some point if they're constantly just holding on to individuals? I would agree with that. Yeah. That's why I think the solution is you, you give them two options. And I think majority of people, if they're in the right mind, are going to choose, OK, I'd rather get clean 
and be in this establishment as opposed to go to jail for something that I'm doing. No, you go to jail, you get three hots in a cot. Just throwing it out there, like it's. I don't want it. It's, either one is better than the streets, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Kelly. No, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about where I'm not going hiking next. Thanks for giving me the heads up on syringes at Papago. That's great. Well, let's talk with Joan and Gilbert for just a couple here. Joan, what's your solution to the homeless problem that we've got here in Arizona? My solution is connecting with realistic steps in recovery. I think that they set addicts up to fail. I'm a mother of a son who was a heroin addict for 10 years, lived on the street, I couldn't love him out of it. I couldn't help him out of it. I couldn't give him resources. However, when he did try to get help, there was it's just a, a system that's set up to fail. So, for example, he would go to detox, five days, released back to the street. What What is there for him? He, you know, can't get into another program, can't get into rehab, can't get into anything else. And it just is a cycle where they just go through the through the system. That uh, she had the the line of the day. I couldn't love him out of it, Joe. We can't hope our way out of the homeless situation. So either we keep throwing money at it, figure out what moves the needle incrementally, or we stop throwing money at it. To me, I see this is these, this is the binary decision we're going to have. It's one or the other. All right, some are calling it the new uh, Senate Bill 1070. Some are saying, nope, we're taking care of what the federal government wouldn't. Is it SB 1070 Part 2, The Invasion? Next on the Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News.